Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. Those moments have been pivotal because if I hadn't had somebody point that out to me, I would have gone on my merry way thinking, oh yeah, things are fine. I got this, you know, and been getting in my own way in potentially huge ways. I can unequivocally say I wouldn't be in the place I am today. Today's episode is from our show On Coaching, where elite coaches from Novus Global and faculty from the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching discuss the pursuit of excellence in executive coaching. On this episode, MPI faculty Amanda Jaggard, Emily Dickinson, Laura Leffelar, and Janet Wood have a hot take. They say don't hire a coach that doesn't have a coach themselves. They discuss how they are, quote, slippery as clients to their coaches. We're going to talk about what that means. And they recall specific experiences of being coached that shape their practice and how to pick the best coach for yourself and more. Enjoy the show. All right. We would like to welcome you to this episode of the On Coaching Podcast. My name is Amanda Jaggard, and I am here with three of our other fantastic Novus Global coaches. So I'd like to introduce them quickly. And actually, I'm really excited for this episode because we have three different countries represented here amongst the four of us. And I just think that that's, that's fun. True. Right? Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. First, I'd like to introduce Emily. Emily, go ahead and say hello. Hi, guys. I'm Emily. I'm in Australia. She is in Perth, Australia. And then Laura. Hi, I'm Laura Leffler, and I'm in Calgary, Alberta in Canada. And then Janet. My name is Janet Wood, and I'm in Pasadena, California. And I'm here in Los Angeles, which maybe could be considered a country of its own. Our topic for today that we are really excited to talk with each other about and to share with you is within Novus Global. One of the things that we will say is don't ever hire a coach who doesn't have a coach. I probably wouldn't yep. hire a doctor who doesn't like going to the doctor. I probably wouldn't hire a dentist who never goes to see a dentist. And so it's interesting to me how often I will have conversations with our coaches and I'll ask them, what coach are you currently working with? It's like, oh, I don't have a coach. It's like, that's, that's interesting. So what we want to talk about here today are the, the benefits that we have seen mm. um, in actually working with a coach ourselves as coaches. And I think just even the dynamic that comes into play when a coach is coaching a coach and ourselves as clients and, and all of that. So for our first question, I would love to throw out, what do you all remember about your first experience working with a coach? So, and here's, and here's like, like, like as when, as you were a coach, so you are a coach and your first experience of working with a coach as a coach. Yeah. Hmm. Well, mine's on this call, so that's fun. It was <laughs> added layer. It was you. <laughs> oh, was it? It was. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Aside from potentially um, my husband, who's also a coach, coming home and coaching me, possibly without permission. <laughs> Unsolicited. But, uh, really. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, my first coaching call ever as a client was with you, Amanda. You had invited me to consider doing the apprenticeship program that we run, um, the first iteration of it. And 
I went and did a call with you just to try out coaching. So that was my first experience as a client. And then you were running the program. So you became my first official coach as well. Yeah. What do you remember from that experience? I remember really being aware that you used very different phrases. Um, there was very like such an intentionality around your language and it fascinated me. Um, you and in between doing that first call and me doing the program, you gave me um, some recorded calls to listen to. And I remember sitting and taking notes because I was so fascinated by the choice of words that you had. I remember feeling very cared for. Um, you were listening to things and asking me questions no one had ever asked me. Even the fact that you were taking the time, ooh, I can get a little emotional talking about this. Even the fact that you were taking the time to do that, it was a space like I had never been in with anyone else, even, even good friends who really care and love me and family and you know yeah. my husband. But there was such a different feel to it that you would slow down and ask me those kind of questions. Um, there was an immediate... Yeah trust that I felt um, in you and, and probably in coaching as a profession, because for me, you represented coaching being that you were the director of the program. That is such a great example of that first like experience with being asked some of the questions that we often ask, which is very beautiful. And then I'm wondering when you became a coach. So fast forward to the end of the apprenticeship program, right? Uh, and building your practice, mm -hmm. what do you remember uh, was powerful to help you? Because at that point, you know the tools, you know the questions. What yeah. was helpful for you in actually uh, creating clients, building your practice? What would you say that was? I think it was having the space at that point. You're right. I did know the tools. I had developed muscles to be able to, you know, re like reroute my thinking, choose different, um, you know, more empowered stories for myself. I had a vision. I was working towards it, but I think, um, it would have been John Roberts was coaching me at that time. And I remember really appreciating the space to take jumbled thoughts and create mm really clear versions of what, whether it was, Hey, I'm afraid of this or whether it's, um, you know, this is kind of what I think I want to have happen, but to actually take these vague jumbled thoughts and create something concrete with them and then be able to really map out strategy. John is fantastic at strategy. So I, I remember being really grateful for that at that time, mm -hmm. really concrete building blocks, for my practice, which are still habits and things that I do today, three, four years down the road. What's an example of one of those habits, if you can remember? Well, I remember when I was joining the firm um, after the apprenticeship was over. And of course, that was a big consideration. Did I want to have my practice be through the mm -hmm. firm? And um, I remember having a conversation outside of coaching, but just at a, at a party with John Roberts and him saying, hey, remember that if you join Novus Global, you will get to be coached uh, by me for at that time it was him and him framing like, hey, normally this is you know what people would be investing into coaching and you'll get to have that by being part of the firm. And even the thought of how, you know, whether it was John or others, I had so much respect for the coaches in Novus Global that I thought, hey, I do really live with that ethos of, you know, don't hire a coach who doesn't have a coach. And so I thought, who else do I want coaching me? Of course, I want to be part of Novus Global <laughs> if that is one of the 
parts of being in the firm. So that was a major factor in my decision to join the firm, um, the value that we have for coaching each other. Okay. A thought just came to mind because gosh, I've been with Novus Global for four years and a coach for about six or seven. I am keenly aware of how as a coach, I'm very good at conning myself uh, into <laughs> thinking I'm already doing all the things. Of I'm course. already reaching out to people. I'm already making the requests. <laughs> uh-huh. And it is hilarious to me. So I'm, I'm realizing now how even my clients benefit regularly from the fact that I am consistently having calls with my coach. Literally just an hour ago, I was on a call with my client where I shared an insight that I had with my coach two days ago and it blew his mind. And there was a a way, like I was able to relate with him. Hey, I'm in that same boat too. And here's the question that was really powerful for me. And this is actually a a client that I would call like a lifetime client. They've renewed three or four times and they consistently say, this is why we keep renewing with you, Janet, because (laughs) you're constantly adding new tools to your tool belt and growing with us. And I was like, oh, that's so good. And I know that there are coaches out there who I've talked to other people who they feel like they get to a certain point and they feel like, okay, this coach is already giving me everything they know. Yeah. Yes. And that's not mm-hmm. really the point of a coach. You're not, you know, just sharing content or tools. Isn't it Chris North who's often talks to people about coaching and says, when you hire a Novus Global coach, you're not hiring just a coach, you're hiring our cu- whole culture. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Which is true, which is a culture of growth, right? So we're not going to be the coaches that just have our thing and become stale and because we're always growing. Yeah. You think of Olympic athletes, you know, basketball players, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they have coaches, not, oh, I already know, you know, the rules to the game, right? right. but they're there to keep inspiring them to explore what they're capable of as an athlete. And uh, we, I think we understand what that looks like in the sports world, in the fitness world, and it's starting to become more normal um, as like why even coaches need coaches uh, because it's not about knowing the answers. Yeah. Um, and the other thing we say around here a lot is um, we can't do surgery on ourselves, which yeah. to yes. me is the reason yes. yeah. why it's so important that we put ourselves to the test as well and open oh ourselves up to the questions that are uncomfortable. Yes. That's so true. I don't know how many times, and of course my mind is on, you know, thinking of coaching with Amanda because I did at the beginning there for such a long period of time, but I don't know how many times I would tell her something really proudly, like, yes, and this is how it's going, or this is what I did. And then she would totally notice something about it and invite me into a different way of thinking about it, where I was like, I completely missed that. I thought this thing was awesome. I didn't even realize that I was, you know, fooling myself or that I was playing small or that it was in fact, you know, a pretty disempowered way to look at it, or it could be a whole bunch of things, but I would not get that from myself. So I can honestly say Mm. moments like that with Amanda coaching me or you, Janet, or, you know, anyone who has coached me over the last three years, Mm. those moments have been pivotal because if I hadn't had somebody point that out to me, I would have gone on my merry way thinking, oh yeah, things are fine. I got this, you know, and been getting in my own way in potentially huge ways. I I can, I can unequivocally say I wouldn't be in the place I am today. I also find that when I have blind spots, I don't see them in my clients because to me they're normal. Mm, And so when I'm working with a client, I think, well, this is normal. Right. So then when a coach points it out in me, I'm like, oh, oh, I've learned that about me. 
the next time I see it in a client or, you know, from there on, I think far out, this is amazing. Sorry, that was very Australian. Uh, very amazing uh, with, <laughs> with me seeing this for the first time because my coach has helped me to see it. Is that an Australian thing? Far out? It is. Far out. <laughs> Brussels sprout. That's what I say. Do you ever have that in your mind when you're, you yourself are going to your coaching space? When these are things I've learned about myself, I'm better able to recognize them in my clients. I'm thinking, you know, when you go to your coaching space, do you find that putting you in a different posture for how you participate as a client? I even this this quarter for the first time emailed my coach beforehand and said, hey, listen, these are the things that I do. This is how I'm slippery. These are the rackets I'm going to bring in. This is how I can fool you because our, our coaching is quick, right? Like it's, yeah, we, you know, we, we rotate through. Yeah. So, so I'm coaching with a coach that's never coached me before. And I'm advocating for myself by not allowing me to go in and fool him for two out of three months. And then the last month is really powerful. Like I want to make this a powerful space as yeah. well, knowing that he possibly has the same blind spots I do. So you know, if I had a client yeah. that came in and said, I know that I'm possibly slippery here, that would be the best gift as a coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One time I remember here in the firm, we did um, an audit thinking about different things that were coming up for us in, in coaching and then intentionally looking at how those were possibly showing up with our clients. Because like, you're, you're right, right? Like when oftentimes when I'm living into a story, I'm living into a narrative, I'm living into different rackets and I'm, I've become a co-conspirator with my clients. And so it is interesting, like in my conversations with my coach, it's like, ah, where is that showing up with my clients? And it does refine me as a coach with them. I don't always have this in my mind, but what is coming up for me right now is, man, that is really great motivation for me as a client. That's like, hey, the more I participate and the more that I find out about myself and learn different ways that I'm being slippery or ways I'm conning myself, the more that I learn, the more I'm then able to take that into coaching my clients and serve them with it. Yeah. Emily, I think you posted in Slack recently about a takeaway from your coaching. I don't know if it's a month or two ago. And I remember it really standing out to me. Do you happen to remember what that was or what, what's like a biggest takeaway recently from having a coach for you? So, uh, it's just, I'm just going to give you the story of what happened and then you can yeah. deduct. Yeah. So I was on a call like this with my coach on zoom and my son walks in, who's three, he walks in and I say, I, I say to my coach, Oh, sorry. He's so smart. <laughs> he He's at two. He learned how to unlock my door with a screwdriver. Mm, of course he did. Child, right? Yeah, of course wow. he did. So, and I was so proud, right? And um, like, sorry, I'll, you know, my husband's out there. I'll just take him back. Anyway, and he came back again. My coach was like, do you think you could like solve this? And And in my head, I literally saw no other way. Like I thought mm. we've tried, we've like, we've hidden the screwdrivers and he can use a knife. We've, right. There's all kinds of things, right? Like we've, and, and I'm just going to have to wait till maybe another like six to 12 months before he like understands that he cannot come in here. Like, like I'll just wait. <laughs> anyway, uh, he goes, do you think you could like 
get a doorknob that has a lock with a key. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> they make those? Like that was like my first thought. I didn't even know they made those, but it was interesting that I had never seen it completely yeah. blind to it. Um, you know, and my mm -hmm. life was working exactly what I wanted it to because I got to brag about my son every time it happened, probably. But it was mm -hmm. just an, a great moment for me to think far out. I'm going to say it again. Uh, this is such a <laughs> beautiful moment of what, like, I never would have seen this with a coach, yeah. without a coach. Yeah. Yeah. And for people listening, I think it can be easy if you haven't had that experience with a coach to think, well, I would have known that or, you know, right. uh, and it is fascinating to me the way that our brain will sometimes hide solutions mm -hmm. uh, yeah. simply because we're in our own heads or we have our own filters or our own beliefs that and things that are wow, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, um, it was a moment so of like, oh, that's painful. Like that was such a big blind spot that's been for years, right? The fact that it's about the doorknob is one small piece of it, right? Correct. So you get to now take that story and yes. either utilize it as an example for your clients, right? There's so much value from the fact that you were submitting yourself to that conversation. <laughs> yeah, because even as I teach this stuff, to have a story is so much more powerful to a client or a training where I get to talk about a coach helping me. That is a, a beautiful gift to give to you know audiences or clients. And, and if you don't have a coach, you don't get to have those stories. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, Emily, it's, it's more than a gift. It builds authority. It does. Mm. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like, I am doing this work in myself or, mm. um, I appreciate what, what Janet said, like submitting myself to the conversation, yeah. right? I think with my clients, it's like when I'm working with my coach or I was just working with my coach, like that's a phrase that I get to say and it shows I'm not asking you to go anywhere yeah. that I'm not willing to go myself. Mm -hmm. We're in it together. I'm submitting to the same process and conversation and I'm making commitments and I'm not keeping some of them. And And I think that it does build authority and credibility, but it is like, I'm, I'm submitting, I'm submitting to the work just like I'm inviting my clients to. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Janet, do you have any stories of something powerful that's come out of you working with a coach recently? So I was thinking a lot about uh, a couple of big aha moments for me. I didn't take a program initially. I hired the only coach I had ever met. <laughs> and he's actually a coach that's a friend of a lot of uh, coaches in the firm. Uh, wonderful guy. And I remember coming to a coaching call frustrated about a client who had canceled and it was only my first year of coaching, so I'm still very new. I remember he asked me this question, what if there's a part of you that wanted that person to cancel? And I was like, what? That's a real moment of like a choice of how to respond. I'm guessing there's probably a real fork in the road moment where it's like, do you get pissed? Or are you like, oh, let me actually get curious about this. Yeah, Which way did you go? Yeah, because... <laughs> Thankfully, I was in the coaching relationship with him long enough that I was willing to listen uh -huh. and try it on, as we say. Uh, and I quickly thought, oh, gosh, was there a part of me that subconsciously hmm. wanted this person to cancel? And now I'm frustrated about it. But how did I contribute to this? Hmm. And it created so much learning for me that literally... Yes that changed the trajectory of how I showed up for clients from that moment on, because I was, I was yeah. clear, mm -hmm. 
I need to be paying attention to where I'm nervous that this person is going to or not going to get value and how I'm self-sabotaging. And actually it not just for coaches, but it goes for any of my solopreneur clients, anyone who has a uh, client facing service-based relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah. and cause it's a con, I mean, the three of you probably know this with clients that you work with, but it's a common conversation. Yeah. Uh, around like keeping scarcity around, will this client like what I do, what, what I'm offering and to just be paying attention to that. And so that was, that was really pivotal. And if I didn't have those conversations during building my practice, I would have probably just left feeling justified. Yeah. Why did this person leave? Why did this person <laughs> cancel? And then I would have continued to create that cycle. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, of course. I would have probably turned into something much bigger. I'm curious, what did you shift in yourself out of that mm. conversation? I think the biggest thing was just paying attention to my internal judgments or beliefs about my client yeah. that were protecting me from disappointment if that person did leave. And so it was like looking at those self-fulfilling prophecies to avoid rejection. The bullseye after that became clarity with, is this helping you? Yes or no. So there was never any surprise mm -hmm. <laughs> versus wait, 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 hope. I hope that they're liking this. I'm going to avoid the conversation. I'm going to avoid feedback. So, and then boom, turns out they don't like this. <gasps> what? <laughs> right. Yeah. So another example of how, when you had that insight in your coaching, you were able to serve your clients better, uh, more powerfully going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And Janet, I wonder like if you had never had that conversation, if you had never had the insight or the wisdom to hire a coach, where would your coaching practice be, do you think? Yeah. So this is where, just for anyone listening who's still questioning whether or not they should hire a coach as a coach, uh, I feel very lucky that I started off that way. So because my only access to learning how to become a coach was to hire a coach, um, that's so ingrained in me. Yeah. I don't know where I would have been. It was very clear to me that that investment in a coach was the only reason I was able to learn how to coach, build a practice. And I have had small seasons where I didn't have a coach and I was able to con myself for a little bit that I didn't need one. Yeah. They, they, they weren't the greatest. And I usually coasted. And then six months later, I'm like, why do I have all my contracts ending at the same time? And I have no one in my pipeline. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so I don't, I don't even know where I would be if I didn't have that. Yeah, I started coaching a bit before this and I didn't, I, I had a coach originally. So our CEO, Jason was my coach first ever when he oh, first started. Novus. And um, oh, yeah, that's funny. so yeah. he coached us. He came out for a leadership development day in Perth and I like drank the Kool-Aid and absolutely loved yeah. it. I'd never heard of coaching before. Anyway, signed up, couldn't afford it. So three of us shared an hour and did some group coaching and it was absolutely mind-blowing and life-changing. I only hired our, our CEO for six months because again, I thought, oh yeah, it's finished. That's all you do now. And then because I had had him in my head and I loved his, his language, I loved his questions. I took copious amounts of notes and got to see pretty much three coaching sessions in one. It was the most resourceful six months ever. And I started coaching out of it and became like my own little coach, didn't even think about hiring a coach, thought, uh, like didn't cross my mind. And when I started coaching and, and with Novus and having coaches constantly, 
I actually went back to my clients that I already had and I said, I need to apologize to you because I thought I knew what I was doing. And on some level I did, but I have grown so much um, that, you know, I'm ready to bring this gift to you of me growing and being a better coach for you. Wow. What a powerful example that is yeah. to take that level of ownership. And I, I imagine if I was one of your past clients, I would have been so thankful, like, wow, let's do this. Let's hop on. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm guessing they probably were very happy with the coaching. I mean, knowing were. you and how yeah. you are with people, I'm guessing you already served them really powerfully. And so I'm putting yeah. myself in their shoes thinking, oh, well, I already thought it was really helpful. So if you've got to level up, let me, let me add it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And they, you know, they were like, oh, we're happy. We're, you know, no problem. They were kind of letting me off the hook, but I was like, no, no, no. Like, we'll just like, we're going to level up the video game. Like, here we go. Yeah. Which, which is always the aim. Yes, of course. And I, and I didn't know that. Here's a question I have for the group, because just to play devil's advocate, what, what do you all think about coaching fatigue? So getting too much coaching, is that a thing? What do you do when your clients come to you or uh, let's say, I guess we could think about other coaches in the firm. Oh, I've got too much coaching right now. <laughs> or because for me, it because um, every time I have a coaching session, it's all about turning that insight into action. So there are commitments that come from it. And so sometimes it's like, I don't want to make any more commitments. I don't want to talk to a coach. I don't want to come away with any more commitments. I have enough commitments um, and, and that's enough. But when I think about it and I, cause they'll, there have been times where I talked to a coach a few times a week and submitted mm -hmm. to that conversation yeah. because there's always gaps. There's always a vision that I'm going after and there are, I'm always getting in my own way in, mm -hmm. in some way, right? Like for me, sometimes when I have multiple coaches, I will use them specifically for um, different areas of my life, Yeah, right? So I'll use one coach to help me um, build my, my coaching practice and have very specific results that I want to talk about there. And then I might have another coach that I'm talking to about like my, my, mm -hmm. my home stuff. Right. Because, and that absolutely does contribute to my practice. And so, you know, how I'm taking care of myself, like my, the holistic view of me. And then I might have another coach that I'm using specifically for, um, another area of my life that I'm wanting to up level in. Um, so for me, sometimes I'll compartmentalize that, but it, it comes with me being very clear as to, what I'm using that coach for. I'm clear with myself as to what maximum value is. Uh, and and I was going to say something similar, Amanda, because I think I I have noticed that before, Janet, um, like even in myself. And I think mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for me to get curious two things. Um, one, which I often find it helpful for me to look at because I tend to avoid it, is one, um, you know, if I'm feeling fatigued, even if it is coaching fatigue, you know, if I'm wanting a break from lifting the weights of questions and making commitments, it's like, is there higher quality rest that I can be living into in between now yes. and my next call? You know, like, okay. am I actually resting? So there's that conversation. And then also, um, am I compartmentalizing probably the opposite way 
um, of what Amanda's saying? Am I only talking about the same things? Like, are there things that I'm avoiding talking about that it would be resourceful? Or am yes. I only going into the rote, like, you know, making commitments around my practice, making commitments around my mm. practice, and I'm not talking about, hey, what are the beliefs that I'm letting run me right now? Or some of the deeper yes. coaching work, there's probably a new level of submission for me if I'm tired. Yeah. I feel like there are different uh, personalities, different types of clients. And so as a coach, really listening is what I'm hearing you to say, listening to what are the needs uh, of my client. And then similarly, mm -hmm. as a client, what is this season, this month, this week need mm -hmm. right now? And actually my current coach uh, for this quarter with, within the firm, uh, there was a call that I showed up to where I was just burnt out and tired. And I'm probably going to mess up the words he used, but I'll give you the gist. He said, do you want empathy or solutions right now? Oh, good. I think it was, it was something like that. And it was so great because it, it allowed me to own, do I want him to challenge me to solve for this? Or am I really just looking for you to hold space? And sometimes that is what we need. And like, Hey, can you just like hold space for me right now? Cause I am stressed out. I need a little bit of empathy and then my other favorite question is, how long do you want to be in that place? Because you you could say, hey, I want I want to be pissy and moody and frustrated for the next twenty four hours. Beautiful, yeah. great. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. And then call me up when you want to create something new. Okay. So those are both really good relationship yeah. questions. Yes. <laughs> yes. How often have in a relationship does the uh, does the other person try to, to solve fix your yeah. problem and solve? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when you're in relationship with other coaches. Mm -hmm. My brother is Jason, the CEO, and I will very clearly send him this is a sister text, which usually means I'm going to be disempowered for at least five minutes. So just let me do that. Yeah. Don't coach me right now. And then it usually moves because I'm committed to empowerment. It will most often move there, but that clarity of like, hey, this is yeah. what I'm requesting from you right now yeah. uh, is good. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I noticed too, uh, Amanda, especially with the training program where we actually train people how to coach within companies, I notice mm -hmm. how easy it is to interpret the coaching space or the meta performance uh, framework as more, more work, work, more, you know, and I think that's a, just a common filter that some of us can have. If, if that's the system yeah. I've been living in my whole life is if I work more, then I'll get more, then I'll make more, then it's yeah. easy to interpret, oh, yeah. this coaching space is meant to like, you know, kick my butt and, and add more to my plate. And so what I love is like really retraining myself to step out of what if it wasn't just about more? What if it was about like a world-class rest, like and leisure, life of leisure, which is like, which breaks my brain. What do you really <laughs> want? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Exactly. And to that point, when I am doing that as a, as a client, right. And realizing, mm -hmm. oh, that's why I avoid the coaching conversation. Then I can understand when my clients show up that way. Like even talking like empathy, empathy isn't saying like, oh yeah, I totally agree. Like, yeah, I get it. That makes sense to me. Or even saying me too. And, um, it's, I find that that's super helpful to be able to say to my clients in a very authentic way. Cause it's yeah. like, oh yeah, I get it. Sometimes I don't want, I'm resistant to getting on a call with my coach too, because there's either shame from not keeping my commitments 
or I'm in a funky headspace that day or, you know, just all sorts of things. So it's like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And the funky headspace is often a place that is super powerful in coaching and the one that we seem to avoid the most. Like, oh, I don't feel like showing up to a coaching session or, Mm. you know, I don't feel like I'm going to bring my A game. Outing yourself for that can be so powerful in and of itself just to notice Mm -hmm. it and Mm -hmm. and dig in on it. Yeah. 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 It's that candor with your coach. Man, I'm going to write that question down after this conversation. I really am. Because what's coming up for me right now is I think as a client, this is how I and slippery is I will, I will have stories, um, especially if someone is a non-parent who's coaching me, it's very easy for me to elicit, um, maybe not even empathy, but sympathy of like, this is hard. This is wise. I'm going through kids. They need me. It's busy. You don't get it. I'm tired. You know, whatever it is. I mean, I can, I can work that angle and be slippery as a client where, you know, they're potentially not going to show up as disruptive with me or, you know, call me forward into what I'm really capable of because those stories are not true. Um, I'm just acting like they're true. Laura, that leads into a really great transition. I do want to throw out, we've used this word a few times, the word slippery, being as slippery as a client, um, clients being slippery. And I want to explain what, what that means. It's a way that we as clients con our coaches. Yeah. Right. So ways that we we show up in in such a way that obviously we're conning ourselves, but there sometimes we show up in such a way that we're actually conning our coaches. And knowing how um, how you are uh, showing up that way is a really great um, thing to be able to communicate between yourself yeah. and your coach. Me sitting in the client seat totally helps me to understand and see things in my clients that I may not see if I wasn't in that seat. So clients can be slippery, but sometimes they don't know all the coaching stuff. So like coaches, it's like next level slippery (laughs) Um, because we know all the tricks and like, we know I was going to, you, I knew you were going to ask me that and all sorts of things. Right. So like, how do you see yourself showing up slippery with your coach? Well, Amanda, it reminds me of the quote we often use. Uh, I think it's Jason's favorite educational psychology quote, which is the hardest thing to learn. Is that what you think you already know? Um, Yes. I I think about that constantly Mm -hmm. as a coach because I know how much my brain wants to be right (laughs) Mm -hmm. or look good. Like I knew that or I already learned that. Uh, and so I am, this is what I need in this coaching session. I already know what I need. Give it to yes, me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I do really feel like it's taken me a few years to really develop that muscle of completely letting go of what I think I already know. Um, so just to encourage anyone who struggles with that too, just keep, keep yeah. lifting that weight, but it is, it's a, it's a constant lifting. For, okay. So just for me, the way that I am slippery mm-hmm is I notice with my current coach, I'm constantly adding little uh, one-liners explaining how I know that I, I learned this already uh, or I, uh, and, and, but here's how I'm also relating to it. You know, like there's like this justification I'm constantly adding. Unfortunately, this person's a really great coach and they will point out 
why do you feel the need to explain that? <laughs> um, uh, to which I'm like, oh, oh, I'm trying to break that habit. Uh, so I, I know for me, I'm constantly adding that level of, uh, and I find using subjective language helps my brain a lot. This is how I, what I'm making up. This is how it's occurring to me. I know that helps me to get off mm-hmm. of my need to yeah. prove that I've already figured this out, everyone. Don't worry. <laughs> I think definitely I do that. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I do, and I've really, I've probably been a, a little bit aware of it, but this past quarter has been very eye-opening, like the doorknob conversation. There's, And then also some mm-hmm. feedback around, you know, I notice that you let me lead a lot. And I wonder how much you've done that in the past and how much that serves you. Because I, if somebody's a, you know, like further along in their journey of building their practice than me, I'm like, just, just tell me all the wisdom, right? Like consult me. I don't want to coach, I want to consult, right? So I kind of fall into that space and depending on who it is, they, they love it. Right. And so it is, it is a place where I like stroke their ego mm-hmm. and possibly don't serve myself either. And then mm-hmm. just to go back to the previous conversation, they, they then asked, and how does this show up with your clients? Do you let them yeah. lead as well? And I thought, interesting. And just to notice like that this might be a pattern for me that maybe I'm a slippery client and possibly a slippery coach because I, I might be a people pleaser mm-hmm. In the sense of um, just, you know, letting people feel good. If you're listening to this and you have the belief that you can't do as much because you have children and what we've said today is not landing with you and you would like to have a conversation with with us about that, like, please reach out because that's a big one for me, too. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. And I constantly have to revisit it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's great. And I think there are going to be people who are listening who have no context for some of the stuff that we accept as, you know, just how we live our lives. I think what I mentioned a minute ago about um, hooking my coach into the stories that I have about how little time I have. Um, I remember, so the, the coach that I just finished up with, at the beginning of that round of coaching, I said to him, or I sent him an email at the beginning, I can't remember which, saying, if I say to you, I can't do something because I don't have enough time, or um, I couldn't do something because I'm too busy, call BS on that right away. That's something that I have historically done. It's a story I'm committed to stepping outside of. Um, I can absolutely make time for the things that are a priority to me. And um, I can get clear on what I'm giving time to and where those Mm. conversations, super helpful. Me, you know, telling you I don't have enough time or enrolling you in my stories about how I can't do certain things because I'm busy (laughs) as a parent or my kids are distracting or, you know, they're, you know, emotionally taxing or things like that. So I think it's that and probably also renegotiating commitments rather than just actually doing it. I remember in the apprenticeship, um, so Amanda and Jason both were coaching me at that time. And um, I texted Jason to renegotiate a commitment to do something. And he said, hey, if someone was going to give you a million dollars, would it be possible for you to do, I think it was like reaching out to a certain number of people in a certain time frame. And I just thought in light of other things, I didn't want to do it. And, and I said, yeah, yeah. 
I would, f- I could figure out how to do it. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, you can still renegotiate it if you want, but I mean, it sounds like you could do it if you want. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, actually That's so good. I can do it, you know? And so That's he, so great. you know, and so I think if he had just let me be in charge of the renegotiation, well, I still wasn't in charge mm-hmm. of it. You know, I was in charge of it, but if he had just let me off the hook and gone, yeah, you need to renegotiate. No problem. Then I wouldn't have gone ahead and done that. <sighs> Um, yes. So I think that's a thing. I say I have to renegotiate or I'm clear about renegotiating and this is why. And if people don't <laughs> question my service, I'm not going to be able to have any of you as my coaches no. in the same way after no, we this. Got you you. Know, like, well, Laura, I, I actually just got off the call with, um, so you were my coach last quarter. That's right. And I just got off the call um, with Dan, who also happens to be your husband today. It was our first, our first time and we were talking about how, just how I'm growing as a client. So he invited me to notice how he was contrasting how he's seen me show up with other coaches in the firm and then how he saw me show up with Steve Chandler, who is Mm -hmm. one of the top coaches in the firm. Um, Just like we like we just practice what we preach around here. And so just like we have companies who hire us as coaches to come in and work with them. Our company hires some of the best coaches in the world to work with us. And and Amanda, just in case for a little context, like in case somebody doesn't catch it. So you and Dan were clients in a group yeah. scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Novus Global hired uh, Steve Chandler and then John, Dan, and I were in a group coaching session. So the the three of us uh, getting coaches is a whole other thing than two, right? Like we're reg- regularly as coaches watching each other be clients, mm-hmm. but he was noticing my way of being and how I responded to Steve was very different than how he saw me, sees me respond to other coaches in the firm, which I thought was really interesting. And he was like, you respected him. And I wonder where you might possibly not being like respecting other coaches who I'm perceiving at a different level than I am. Like if I'm really honest and outing myself. Right. And he goes, I, he's like, I wonder what it would look like for you to show up to every coaching session, the way that you showed up with Steve and what results that you might get. And I was like, oh, I probably, like, when I think about how I'm slippery, and this is like totally new to me, like today, <laughs> but I wonder where even like as a coach and thinking, you know, I have this kind of thing in my practice and this is my average hourly rate and this is who my clients are. Like I'm a, I'm a good coach. Like I need to find this type of coach in order to work with, or like, what does it look like to submit to this conversation? And like, these are the coaches that can help me and putting all these qualifications around it. And I wonder how I've missed out potentially and where that could be growth for me. Yeah. So I appreciated that conversation from my coach today and just inviting me into a new way of being, especially as like a pretty top performing coach. Yeah. Like what does it look like for me to show up that way? Well, and I think it's important to recognize what you just said there and what has already been said on this call. I can just imagine what it would be like if uh, I'm listening to this episode and I'm so used to the narrative that like, you don't say, you don't reveal those weaknesses about yourself, especially if you want people to hire you, you know, and I feel like it's so normal for us. Like Mm. this is normal conversation consistently because we are constantly learning to love the gap where the moment we realize something 
that's perceived typically for a lot of people as bad or a weakness that we're, we get excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many people have these conversations, these internal conversations about, well, I don't respect this person, you know, or whatever it is. Mm. And they're afraid to, mm. to say it out loud or even admit it because they know that's the wrong quote unquote way to think or something like that. And so I, I just, a, I'm just, it's so fun to hear you say that, Amanda. And even just thinking like what I knew of you when I first met you for, well, I met you longer, long before that, but when I started like working with you four more. years ago, <laughs> yeah. I've known you for a decade, but when I first started working with you four years ago, just to see like the growth that has happened with all of us as coaches is just, it's so exciting. As we shift into different coaches and like Amanda, you were saying, depending on how I perceive the level of the coach is how I show up. Um, just to flip it on its head a bit, I'm, I'm moving right now from Q1 being coached by one of the top coaches in the firm to Q2 being coached by one of the like newest people in the firm and probably least experienced. And I'm excited because I get to build my muscle of being an amazing client that is not being carried by a coach, but I get to show up in a way that is, you know, strong and powerful and intentional. And I'm not waiting on somebody else to be my consultant. Or um, so if you have hired a coach and maybe you're thinking like, oh, they're not, you know, further down the track than me, or they're not telling me what to do. I, I invite you to step into this is a great chance for you to build your muscles as a client in a way that maybe you never have before. Or you could hire a Novus Global coach because that's a great, great option. <laughs> yeah. Just to put a bow on, on that topic, I, I, we do talk a lot about how to be a good client and how to train our clients to be good clients, which I yep. don't think, I mean, from what yep. I know, I don't think there's a lot of coaches out there that help their clients learn how to be good clients. Uh, yes. and I think that that's so important. And at least with my clients, I know that it's actually helped them set up relationships with their customers, clients, et cetera, and upgraded that rather than continuing in this like yes. complaining conversation of, Oh, my clients don't pay on time. My clients don't show up to the meetings on time, or my clients don't send me the things that I asked them for. Right. So it goes for any, any person who is, client facing, how are you setting up that relationship, uh, in order to, to thrill them? Um, so, uh, I think that's a fun thing that we do. That's good. It's like, um, I'll use the analogy of like, I have one of the really nice, uh, iPhones, but I don't know what half of it does. Like I like <laughs> probably like I know about what like 10% of it does. I can yeah. send text messages and take, take pictures and download apps. And that's like great. But I know that it does so much more. And I think a coaching relationship is that like training a client and how to yeah. use a coach. And I, I have grown in that ability by being a client myself yeah. in how to train clients uh, in how to really utilize a coach. All right, we are to our final question. And here's the question, ladies. I would love to hear from everyone. What advice, what's one piece of advice that you would give to any coach who is looking to hire a coach? 
Okay. So we'll, we'll go with a few immediately that come top of mind. Obviously the first thing that we've mentioned already, in my opinion, never hire a coach that doesn't have a coach, um, or that doesn't regularly submit themselves to some of these questions that require vulnerability. And Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're going to hire a coach, pick something that you're going to go after that you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't hire that coach. Um, a lot of times, and you girls can probably relate to this. A lot of times clients come to me and we'll do our first go at their vision. Uh, what, Hey, what are some of the outcomes you'd love to go after during our time working together? And they'll list all these things. Then I'll ask something like, Hey, do you think this is already part of your job requirement? Is this something you would already do? And they're like, yeah, great. Uh, then why are we talking? (laughs) So let's go after something that's going to thrill you that you have no idea how you're going to accomplish. That's going to require you to grow in new ways and transform. Um, that's, that's the fun stuff. Let's do that. (laughs) My thinking, and I love what Janet said. So, so I'll take a different angle is if, if you're right now thinking, this sounds like a good idea, I've enjoyed this podcast, there's a few good points, but I still am not sure, I would invite you into ownership, get the clarity you need, figure out, like, don't just sit in the question mark and like stay there for the next year and then think, oh, that would have been really nice. And then, you know, kick yourself a year from now when you actually do it. Really dig in, dive in and figure out what you need to figure out in order to make a decision. If you're looking to hire a coach, find someone who has more questions than answers. Mm -hmm. If somebody has a program to run you through, you know, the solution for anybody who's in a position like yours, um, that's more sales than coaching Mm -hmm. as it occurs to me. Finding somebody who has questions to serve you um, more so than they have answers to fit where you are currently. This is going to go a little bit in contrast to the story that I shared, but my piece of advice would be to hire the best that you can afford. And I think like I have so much respect for Jason because he went out and hired um, one of the, like the best coach in the world, the ultimate coach, Steve Hardison, and flew to Phoenix two times a month to meet with Steve for two hours. And um, that was his own money. And he was like, I'm going to hire the best because I want to be the best. And he learned from him. He learned how Steve started a coaching relationship. He learned how he did the whole, like all sorts of things. He learned Mm. how he closed it out. Like it was so much learning for him. And Mm. then he was able to even bring that back to us, which was such a gift. And so I think in the same vein, holding the ability to submit yourself to the questions from anyone because you're submitting to the questions. I think there is like hire, hire the the best so that you can learn from the best to yeah. continue to grow yourself as a coach. And to get some results that are going to thrill you as well, right? Like, it, yeah. yeah. So it's an investment. Right? Yeah, that's good. Well, and actually great point too, and because hire somebody who can show you that they have clients who have created results. Yeah. Yeah. Created, like yes. ask those questions mm-hmm. that might seem like you're, you're asking for something that they're not offering, which is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think being able to show results is part of coaching. The last thing I will add to the mix is to get clear 
what your vision is as a coach before. And I, I said the outcomes, but I realized now that I answered that more as a client than a coach. So uh, for coaches looking to uh, hire a coach, I maybe it's because I live in Los Angeles. And uh, if you throw a rock in Los Angeles, you'll find a life coach. Um, so I, I run into coaches all the time. Uh, and I think what might be helpful just from my experience of talking with several coaches is getting clear about the type of career you actually want to build as a coach, mm -hmm. because it's one thing to have, I'll use some stereotypes really quick to be a yoga instructor and to do other things. And, and I'll take on a few clients, which is great. There's different paths. So hire a coach that's going to help you create the path mm -hmm as a coach that you want to create um, and get clear about what your values are, like uh, what kinds of people do you want to work with? You know, even some people are still allergic to the money conversation. What kind of money do you want to make? It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of people I find don't like to say that because they are yeah. going into an industry where they're going into it because they want to help people. They want to have conversations, but then they're a coach for two to five years and they realize they can never actually make a career out of it and then they quit. So get crystal clear as to the type of career you want to build as a coach would be my advice. Well, thank you all three of you, Emily and Janet and Laura. Thank you for being here today and having a, a really, um, it was an insightful conversation for me and growing in. I have appreciated having all three of you as coaches in my life. Um, I have benefited, my practice has benefited, and it has been an absolute joy to be a coach to all three of you at um, different, different times in the journey as well. Um, and I love that we get to fiercely advocate for each other. And uh, in closing, Laura, you started out talking about your experience uh, in like having a coach and that fierce mm -hmm. advocacy and what that felt like and somebody who was in your corner and for you. And I think no matter where I'm at in my life or like doing, I think we all uh, want that and there's value in that. Like I never want to have mm -hmm. not have that person in my so life true. who mm -hmm. I'm talking to and who is advocating for me. And I think that even as coaches, like we need that yeah. to keep our oxygen mask on and like the coach and that conversation is the oxygen in a lot of ways. Well, I, I love that. And to even add on that, I think it keeps us from getting cynical, mm -hmm. right? To have somebody serving yeah. us as coaches in holding that space of, Hey, I wonder what could be possible for you. Like, I wonder what else you're capable of that you're not believing for yourself that I think helps um, counteract stagnation and cynicism mm -hmm. that could really easily creep in. And knock you out of the game. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. I think I probably would have quit a long time ago had I not had coaches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's just yep. like, it's good for the world that we all stay in the game. It's yeah. good for the world that we stay in the game and it's good for the world that we yeah. grow in our abilities so that we can continue to serve more people. So yeah. on that note, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Laura, for being here today and this conversation. Um, it was beneficial to me. And I just want to say I have enjoyed. Um, each, each, all three of you have been a coach to me at some point in my journey. And so I thank you. My practice thanks you. <laughs> and uh, it has also been a joy for me to stand fierce advocacy for each of you. And thank you so much for the conversation today. And that concludes this episode of On Coaching. 
Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global Coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and remember, dare to go beyond high performance.